What is crack-a-lackin' fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you solo to talk some blockbuster NBA trade assets. Before we get started, the user reminder, please remember to subscribe to us wherever you consume us. Podcast players, ratings and reviews help a lot on Apple, Spotify as well. Subscribe to us on YouTube if this is your first time checking us out. Um, like, comment, help the algorithm love us back. Join our Discord. The link to that is in the YouTube description. We have a new YouTube Shorts channel out called NBA Absurd Stats. I need to link that, um, add it to our social links. Join that. Ask about it in Discord. I'll link you all to it. Um, and follow us on all the other socials. We're at Hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok. And then we're at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Again, the biggest thing to help, though, subscribe, download every episode, hit us on YouTube. Um, if this is your first time checking us out, again, just consider being a permanent um, hardwood knoxer this community is great we heart you all but let's really dig into this so i wrote about every nba team's biggest or best blockbuster trade asset and it was a concept that i had pitched to bleacher report so i'll throw it up on the screen trying a different layout um if people are on youtube have to let me know if it's it's like less clean looking but i feel like don't you want to see my face a little bit more than the um actual article itself so i wrote about every nba team's best blockbuster asset entering the 2023 deadline and the concept here is and I actually ended up writing like 500 words about how I went about this. Is the scenario that we're operating under is that your favorite NBA team, I don't care whether they actually would or not, but your favorite NBA team is choosing to aggressively pursue a blockbuster trade ahead of the February 9th deadline that actively improves its roster. They are buyers, in other words. Knowing this, what is the most valuable player or asset they should be willing to move in order to make that trade? happen and it's an it's an element of a would they have to move but i tried to create or maintain an element of realism here and so the process that goes into it is not every team is currently looking for that star level player like that's just something we know and you're also just going to be the determinations are going to try and stay in character since we're breaking character for a lot of them anyway and by this i mean the orlando magic they're not going to trade palo bancaro the Spurs are not trading their own first rounder when they've already pre-ordered the Victor when Benyama jerseys, uh, but other calls are less obvious to make. And so some of them that I ran into throughout this process, would the Kings trade Keegan Murray? Would the Pacers trade Benedict Matherin? Would Orlando consider shipping out one of its own first rounder? So on and so forth. And that's what's the push and pull of trying to do this exercise was what would realistically be on the table if this is what teams were doing. And I might have actually fallen too far on the conservative end, but because I was breaking character for so many teams and saying, you know what, the magic, we're going to operate as if they're trying to, a star becomes available by the deadline. And that's something, you know, there's not really a readily star available. People are watching the Raptors. They're wondering about Bradley Beal and Zach Levine. I'm not even endorsing that team should be going after a blockbuster trade. I just zoomed out and then zoomed in because I wanted to really go in depth on it and try to decide, okay, which which blockbuster assets would teams give up? And so we're going to brace ourselves for a lot of draft pick talk as well. But the other note that I wanted to give here, because the other, well, two notes is, so we have to, we have to do this under the guise of what would selling teams be most interested in. And so a lot of the times that is going to be draft picks. However, I do think unless it's a last resort, we tend to romanticize the value of long-term first round picks in the Lakers case. We only have long-term first round picks to choose from. But we're not just going to say a 2029 first round pick for every team because front offices who are making the trade for those picks are more likely than not, not going to be the front office that uses them, whether it's draft them, the players there, or trade them. And so you're going to value more immediacy. And if it's part of a mega deal, like we saw with the Jazz twice, where they were getting 
long-term first round picks, but also immediate assets and players and more imminent picks. That's a different story, but those trades were done um, because of the whole macro of the, of the packages. So yes, there will be distant first round picks here, but I wanted to caution that. No, you know, we can't just be like, Oh, 2027 first for every team that has one available. Since I actually think those are not as valuable as many people think, but with that, I think we can get off to this. And so we begin with a bang in the Atlanta Hawks, very controversial. I have Trey young. I just think, no, would I trade him? I wouldn't, but could this be their Donovan Mitchell uh, hall where he has three years left on his deal after this one. He's young. He's an all NBA type player. And you're looking to, you know, the jazz, I feel like they're eventually going to go through a more thorough rebuild, but maybe Atlanta just says, Hey, uh, we want to sort of retool around Clint Capella, DeJounte Murray and Deandre Hunter. And like Trey is going to give you back players and picks to do it. Now, if you're not going to go with Trey, I think you probably have to go with the Hawks first round pick this year, which they can actually move. Um, they are such, they did just beat the heat after I'm recording this. And they've kind of turned things around. Trey's playing better. Uh, but it, it, like they're not a sure thing. And so that could be a lottery pick in vain. And they've traded away some distant first-round picks to get DeJounte Murray in the first place. If it's not this year's first, it's DeJounte Murray. But I have Trey Young listed. So if you're looking for a blockbuster trade, it'd be a buy in the sense of a divestiture. divestiture. And maybe there's a star for star trade out there. It would sort of be like, you know, like, like I said with the Donovan Mitchell Hall. The Boston Celtics is their 2025 first-round pick just – they can't trade this year's. You're not going to trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum midseason or, or at all, quite frankly. If you wanted to go RW3, I kind of get it, but the knees are a question and teams aren't going to necessarily look to rebuild around that type of a, a player. Marcus Smart, not someone who's going to intrigue teams as, you know, his contract is fine. He's a really good player, um, solid defender, solid passer, but you're not going to look to rebuild your team around those. So if you're looking to get a blockbuster trade done, it's 2025 or 2027. I go with 2025. Um, that's when it'll post date Jalen Brown's current deal. You don't want to go to 2027 because if anything catastrophic sort of happens, the Celtics are getting a little older when you look at smart and Brogdon and Al Horford, it just gives them so much time to retool. So I'm with 2025. If they were looking to trade for a star, which they probably are not at the moment, Brooklyn, this was tough. It's not KD. And it's not Kyrie. I don't even know what his trade value would be. It's not Simmons. So I think a lot of people might be using Albatross right now. It's it. Look, He's played. He's had some big moments. The passing is good. The defense is fine. He's looked more like Ben Simmons there lately, but the just the passivity on offense is an issue. And then after that, you're kind of out of options. And so you're not going to go with um, sort of the lower end first. It's not going to be. I thought about Nick Claxton, but he has one year left on his deal. If you can get a 2028 Nets first round pick, you just you have no idea what's going to happen. They've mortgaged so much of their draft to Houston. This is the first first round pick that they have control of is the 2028 one. And um, Kevin Rant is still not going to be there by 20. He's not going to be there by 2028. And if he is, he's going to be super old. You short the next, I would, I think teams would short the Nets short and long-term future, but you could really only short their long-term future at this point because they've traded away so much of their short term. The Hornets, this, this is uninspiring. You have LaMelo. He's off limits. Like you're not going to trade them out for this. And after that, it's all right. Well, what the fuck? Uh, it's their 2027 first round pick. That's really the first one they can guarantee because of the pick that they owe to Denver, the way it's protected. You can do conditional, but that's the challenge with these is you want a certified first that you know can convey. In the first first round pick, we know that Charlotte can convey is in 2027 long term. But if you're a team and you see what the Hornets have done, just their general body of work, uh, like you're going to take that pick that has value to it. I just it's not players. It's not P.J. Washington. It's not Mark. Mark Williams. It's not Kai Jones. It's not James Booknight. Mark Williams is good. Looks like he's going to be a long-time NBA player. He's not anchoring a blockbuster package, even if he ends up being involved with it. The Chicago Bulls, this was tough. 
I couldn't go with Patrick Williams. I just, he hasn't shown enough. He's so low volume on offense, even though he's hitting his threes, he's shown a little bit of a floor game at points. I recognize it's not all of his fault uh, because the bulls aren't built to let him experiment offensively, but it's just at some point he's extension eligible after this season. He's not shown enough to be considered this high end asset. I went with DeMar DeRozan. Levine's deal is too sort of squirrely or would make teams squirrely being owed so much money, having the knee history. It's DeMar DeRozan, and this is tough because he's age 33, has one more year left on his deal. He's still, he ranks first, again, for the second year in a row in Unpredictable's clutch win probability metric. The dude is clutch, the driving force of what they do best on offense as a playmaker and as a scorer, and maybe they can find sort of their, like, remember the Sabonis Halliburton trade. It'd be a more of an extreme, a more or less of an extreme on one end because, you know, the extreme is, okay, DeRozan's way older than Sabonis. You're probably not going to get back a player in Tyrese Halliburton, but maybe it's something like that where it's a, a youthful player who's already really good, um, but you're giving up DeMar DeRozan to a team that wants some more of an immediate impact. I just, he's very clearly been their best player. I don't know else who to, who to pick here. They've traded away um, so few picks that, or they've traded away so many picks that we would have to go out into the distance for, I think, one to even reasonably convey. Um, they have their top 10 protected pick uh, owed to San Antonio in 2025. So, uh, and that like extends too far into the future for me to pick it. Like if it doesn't convey then, and there's, who knows, there's a chance it doesn't. I went with DeMar DeRozan. Cleveland Cavaliers, Karis LeVert, they can't trade picks. Uh, I don't think Dean Wade or Isaac Okoro or Dylan Windler, uh, like Lamar Stevens, that's not going to, they might be included in such a deal. But it's Karis LeVert, $18.6 million expiring contract. Teams like might value his shot creation. If you're looking to pull off a blockbuster, it has to begin with him. It's just we move on there. The Cavs don't have draft equity and fine. The Mavericks, this is interesting. So they can't trade a first-round pick until 2025, and it's technically conditional. But let's say their top 10 protected pick conveys to the Knicks this year. I think you still prefer their 2027 first over 2025. That comes after Luka Doncic's deal in 2027. And so you're increasing the likelihood that he is either left um, or that he is forced to trade. And that's just, you roll the dice on that. Because if you're giving the Mavs a good player, uh, they're probably going to be good in 2025. I think what the Mavs end up doing is they're not going to make a blockbuster trade at the deadline. I know a lot of people want them to. And then they're, they'll be able to trade up to four firsts and three swaps over the offseason. And so it's four firsts, three swaps, matching money for that star. And then that changes the calculus. It's all those picks are rolled into one. You're, you're shorting their long-term future but you're operating also under the guise that, oh, Luke is probably going to be pretty happy since they're acquiring a star. I don't know if they pulled off. I just think that that's where we see, um, but that's what we see them dangle out there. But if they were to make a move right now, I'm trying to get that 2027 first just to up the variance in Dallas's future. And no, look, the answer is not a player. It's not Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxi Kleba. It's not Jane Harvey, uh, Hardy. I'm sorry. Like those guys are not getting it done. Denver Nuggets, they don't really have a pick to trade um, because that OKC obligation it can technically extend through 2029 they can give up a conditional 2029 first round pick but it would have to be unprotected basically and expire immediately or and it'd be pending again that okc obligation it's bones highland i think it's just maybe in another year to been jamal murray or michael porter jr murray only has two years left on his contract i think he's been really good because these acl injuries are are two-year process it's you missed a year and change in his case and then you got to go through an entire season just to get your bearings back i think he's been really good um, but I don't know that teams would be interested in him. I also think it's sacrilegious to break up the Jokic Murray game. It's not Michael Porter Jr. The contract's just too huge. He's been good this year. Credit him for fitting into his role, but the back issues would make me nervous. It's Bones Highland. Two years left on his rookie scale deal. He can hit threes off the dribble, off the catch. Gets a little weird when he's inside the arc. Has to work on his finishing, tighten up his passing, but that's just someone that I think could be, if you attach money to Bones Highland, 
I think you get yourself into more interesting trade discussions than people might realize. This one's going to be controversial, but I don't know what else you're supposed to pick. The Pistons, the way that their pick is protected into the, like they're, first of all, they're not giving up their own first round pick this year. It's technically owed to the Knicks. It's so protected that I, what was it? I know it denoted it in here, but it's like, it's protected through 2029 would be technically the first, first round pick they could give up. Like that's how long it is protected. It's not protected through 2029. I think it's through 2027. So it's not the pick. That's just too far into the distance. It could be Jalen Duran, who is just like, he's more than a highlight factory finisher. Like I think we've seen enough. There's a, there's an undisciplined to him on defense, but like he's going to be super versatile there. Not a building block. If you want to pick him, that's fine. It's not going to be beef stew. Killian Hayes been a lot better this season, but like he's extension eligible after this year. Is he going to anchor a blockbuster deal when teams have to reinvest in him? It's Jay Ivy because you're not trading Kate. And this is not, it doesn't matter. The Pistons aren't going to make a blockbuster trade, but if they wanted to, he would have to be the asset that's on the table. I would think because you're not going to get it done with anything else. And you just don't have the pick flexibility. This might also become sort of a reality for them. If they wind up in the Wembenyama scoot, Henderson or even Amen Thompson range just because like, yeah, women Yama could be more of a play finisher, but like, you're going to want to give him on ball ref, certainly with Scoot Henderson as well, too. Just something fascinating to watch, especially with Jay Ivey being up and down all this year, the Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga. This is easy. Uh, it could be Jordan pool if he wasn't on a poison pill right now, um, but I would still pick Kaminga anyway. He's been, um, before he was dealing with, a uh, what was it? Was he have like a shin injury right now or a calf injury, whatever, a right foot sprain. He was just, he was a regular part of the rotation. The thrust he plays with is hyper valuable, translates to rim pressure, biting off ball movement, regular doses of physical chutzpah on the defense that I think would probably make Draymond Green beam on the inside. I think his offensive IQ has gotten a lot better. He's improved his overall decision making while dabbling in some more complex usage. This is actually a fun Jonathan Kaminga stat. Roughly 200 players have finished at least 100 drives this, this season. Kaminga is one of seven that's shooting better than 55%. And has an assist rate north of 10. His company, Luka Doncic, Iota Sunmu, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Malik Monk, shout out Malik Monk, and then Domas Simonis. If I'm if I'm a seller and the Warriors are trying to get a star, it's Kaminga that you want. You could go after their 2026 first since they owe the 2024 one to, to uh, Memphis. I just think it's Kaminga. This is someone who I, I still believe sort of has that star upside. And I would prefer him even if Jordan Poole was easier, easier to move. And I'm a seller. Houston was interesting. You take Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. off the table. You take this year's first round pick off the table because there's no line to them to immediate contention. And so if you're making a blockbuster trade, it's for the long term. I went with their 2026 uh, first rounder from Brooklyn just because they've traded so much of their future draft to to OKC. And that's just, you know, I don't know what else you really, it could be Alperin Shangun um, who deserves still in higher usage role, but teams seem reticent to build their offenses around big men, especially one where in Shangun, you still need to see more from him as a perimeter shot creator and maker and then his defense is certainly a problem brooklyn's 2026 first what the hell is going to happen in brooklyn between now and then like if you're a team and you have a chance to get this pick why wouldn't you just get this pick uh Kyrie probably won't be there he's a free agent after this season what is going to go on with ben simmons in that time could kevin durant request another trade during that span and even if he doesn't the nets coming off 2025 2026 uh that'll be kevin durant's age 37 season age 34 now age 35 next year yeah that'll uh, age 25 26 so it'll be his age 36 season um he could get older, not be playing as well. He could have asked for a trade by that point. That's their best. That's their best blockbuster asset. I don't expect them, even though the Rockets need a consolidation trade. I don't expect them to really look at it, but uh, that would be the, that would be the asset that needs to be on the table. The Pacers were interesting. It wouldn't be Halliburton. You keep him. Uh, they're not a team. You could go with one of their own first round picks, 
they're not a team that's going to trade those willy nilly. And also they kind of don't have a ton of value because Indy clearly isn't going to be a team that just bottoms out again. It was Benedict Mathurin was on the table. And personally, if I were the Pacers and it meant getting an OG Ananobi, um, that type of a close to a star player, would I consider moving Benedict Mathurin? Yes, but I'm trying to stay in character. I don't think the Pacers would. And so that leaves you with Miles Turner. Yes, he's on an expiring contract. Playing, He was playing at a fringe all-star level before he started dealing with uh, back tightness, I think. And he fits onto basically every single team. And so you have to worry about his next deal. But if you are willing to you know, attach Chris Duarte, maybe some of your first but protected to Miles Turner, you can get in some pretty ambitious discussions. And so I think even if you were willing to put your own picks on the table, Miles Turner, to me, would be more appealing, still fairly young, just because we don't expect those picks from Indy to be super high valuable at this point. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you differ from me there and you think that they're going to fall off or something, but I wouldn't expect them to move their own first round picks in that situation. The Los Angeles Clippers, no brainer here. Kawhi, Paul George off the table. It's their 2028 first round pick. You can go 2029 if you really want to, uh, but I don't know why you would. I thought about Terrence Mann for a second. His extension hasn't kicked in and the two year $22 million deal looks like a fucking steal. But is that someone age 26 that they're going to, another team is going to view as a building block. He's probably in any blockbuster trade anyway, but you want the 2028 first round pick when you're looking at, oh, okay, Chris Paul, uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, both their current deals will be up. And even if they're still around, they're going to be deep into their thirties. And they've already shown that they're not going to be on the floor every single night. So that pick, again, it's going to take some imagination since if you're getting Terrence Mann as part of the deal, there's your immediate asset. It's look, we have this fairly young player going to give us some rim pressure, some energy. I don't think the Clippers want to move him to be clear, but if you're again, blockbuster trade talks maybe that's how you rationalize this where even with the lakers you're not going to get a player that's as intriguing as terrence Mann accompanied with those picks so maybe it gets the clippers tax some more money to that package and some interesting discussions they're also a team that i could see absolutely moving that pick and making it unprotected the lakers it's the 2027 or 2029 first round picks which would you choose and so I think a lot of people would choose 2029 i'm just sort of of the mind like we're gonna see free agency change i think by 2026, and it'll probably last a couple of years. I don't personally think players should want to play for the Lakers, and I do think they're probably looking more closely at front office competence than ever, but I just feel like the Lakers could stumble into somebody if they keep their cap sheet right. And so I want to get that pick as soon as possible. I don't want, you know, this year's pick might be nice, but like I don't want to leave open the door the next couple of years, 24, 25, um, even though New Orleans has that option. Like you could still have LeBron, AD might stay healthy. Like, do they actually make a trade by trading these picks? I, I don't know. I think 2027, I want to get it as soon as possible because 2029, I feel like gives them way too much time to stumble in to someone. And maybe I'm wrong there, but I think 2027 has more value for that reason than 2029. The Grizzlies, this is semi-challenging, but it's not. We're in character. The Grizzlies are not going to trade John Morant. They're not going to trade Jaron Jackson Jr. And now Desmond Bain has entered that level of building block. And so Zaire Williams, I might've picked last year, hasn't shown enough this year coming back from injury for me. And so um, it's the golden state pick. It's top four protected in 24, top three protected in 25 and unprotected, I think in 2026. And so like, that's a pretty valuable first round pick. You don't necessarily want to bet against a team that has Steph Curry, but they're getting older. Draymond's a free agent this summer. Who knows what happens? Like they could be like, they could, they could bottom out or that could be a lottery pick. We do. We don't know. I wouldn't predict it, but that's something to consider. You start to attach that asset to other players, other money. If you're Memphis, I think it could get you. Do I think here's the question. Do I think Memphis using their own picks, this Golden State pick, some of their younger players 
other salaries, do I think they can trade for a star without giving up Desmond Bain? And then, of course, keeping John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr.? I do. I mean, that's the type of trade versatility they have. Do I expect them to? No, but they could. Miami. This was tough. So it can't be Tyler Hero because of the poison pill. It will be Tyler Hero after this season. I think you could argue that maybe it shouldn't be Tyler Hero because he's been so good. Um, But it's just the poison pill. That's why he's not here. Is it their 2023 first-round pick? They've shown some combustibility. They've had a lot of players miss time. Bench has not been great. Defoe's been up and down. They've kind of struggled to fill the four spot outside of Kayla Martin. Their top end units are good, but they've just, their offense has not been great. Defense is still intact. Um, half court offense that I worry about. I still think it's 2027. Can't trade 2025. It's owed to the Thunder. But I, I think it's 2027. By that point, it's like, okay, well, how old is Jimmy Butler? Is he still there? Yes, they still have Bam. They could still have Hero. And so there's the open endedness there. But I, I think, look, these are the assets they have to trade. It's nobody else. It's no player. If it's not Tyler Hero, it's not a player. And then if it's not this year's first round pick, it's 2027. So I don't know. Like if you want to be spicy and say it should be Bam, he's been too valuable to trade this year. Ditto for, for Jimmy Butler. Bam's just been quiet. I don't want to say quietly, but he's been dominant at both ends. And I don't think he's getting enough credit for it. The Minnesota Timberwolves, do they even fucking have one? Bankrupt of draft equity. Carl Anthony Towns cannot be traded this season. Rudy Gobert's value is just in the toilet. Not because he's been exceptionally bad, but like, dude is over 30. Look at the money he's owed, over 100 plus million for the next three years. Uh, his trade value is just, I would argue that teams would probably view his contract as a net negative right now after what's happened with the Wolves. Not his fault specifically. That's where I'm coming from. I thought you're not going to trade Anthony Edwards. I thought about D'Angelo Russell. The money's big. I think, like, as a shot creator and even just his orchestration out of pick and roll, that is someone that might intrigue teams. And he's still kind of young, but he's also going to be a free agent. And so I'd rather have Jaden McDaniels uh, after sort of an uneven start, showing a lot defensively again. Um, he's hitting his three ball above 39%. Would still like to see him take more. But he's also shown the ability now to make some just more complicated decisions in open space. Has another year left on his rookie scale. I don't think him plus Russell and seconds or whatever or Nas Reed get you in any splashy discussions. But if teams make a deal with you, it's going to be because of Jaden McDaniels. The Milwaukee Bucks. This just comes down to, okay, do you think they're going to trade any of their big three? Giannis, no. Drew, no. Middleton with the injuries and then the player option. Do teams even view him as a blockbuster asset? Blurk Lopez isn't going to get there. Bobby Portis isn't splashy enough. This just comes down to Marjan Bochamp for the 2029 first. I like Marjan Bochamp. I think he's going to be an excellent offensive player when it comes to fanning out the floor in transition, very complimentary one day. I don't see him as just sort of this future on-ball diamond in, in the rough. I don't think that's ever going to come about. I don't think he's ever going to be this lockdown one-on-one um, -on -one stopper, although I think that he's going to be able to be a disruptive, um, e even maybe just a team defender or someone that you can throw against just some more uh, quicker, uh, quicker athletic ball handlers. I think he's intriguing. Regardless, in a blockbuster deal, you're looking at salary, the 2029 first-round pick, and Marjan Bochamp. And I think just the 2029 first-round pick – is going to be most valuable. You can default to, well, they're going to have Giannis. Like, they'll still be good. Is Gian, like Giannis is going to be in his 30s by then, and his prime a little bit shorter, just because when you look at the physiology of what he does, I'm not predicting it, but like unless the jumper really comes along, we've seen him have hot stretches of, you know, counter. He has the counters, but, like, the mid-range jumper doesn't fall consistently enough. The free, throw, the free throws are all over the place. Same with the three-point shooting. If his athleticism wanes, it's a fair question. So if you can get your hand on that pick, in addition to maybe something more immediate, like a Marjan Bochamp, they can enter some intriguing, intriguing talks. The Pelicans. This is just like, talk about fucking options. Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, even Herb Jones probably still qualifies. 
I think that you could talk about the Lakers 2024 first round pick because it could be deferred to 2025. You could talk about some of the Bucks first round picks that they owe off into the distance. You could talk about some of New Orleans' own first round picks. Maybe you're thinking, hey, like Zion could crash and burn, or his prime's just not going to last really long. I think some people would argue that you should put Brandon Ingram into this discussion. I just think Brandon Ingram, who's been out for so long, and I'm starting to just believe that like he's dealing with more than a toe injury or finger injury, whatever it is. He's on the table if like five to 10 players are available. That's not a wide enough scope. That's like, like we're talking any old blockbuster here. I settled on the Lakers first round pick. It's a swap this year. And that's like when Minyama's available, Scoot Henderson's available. Like the Lakers could be a lottery team, like a, a higher lottery team. Maybe they've kind of perked up of late. Anthony Davis might come back soon, but if they're not going to trade the picks this year, like this team has the potential to be really bad by season's end. So I think it's that pick. I get if you would go Dyson Daniels or Trey Murphy or even the next year's Lakers pick. I didn't, and I, I don't think that's the case. I'm trying to capitalize on the Lakers' incompetence right now. The Knicks, Quentin Grimes. I'm kind of wondering if this is controversial. I don't think it is. R.J. Barrett, poison pill. It's not him. IQ and Obi Toppin, I think, have both become underrated nationally. Uh, maybe both are a little underrated within Knicks circles, so there's got to be an in-between. They're both extension eligible this season. And Obi Toppin, the Knicks are going to wind up getting hosed in any trade for him just because he was injured this year. They never, ever featured him enough. And that was sort of a function of the roster. Julius Randle's playing well enough to like, yeah, what were you going to do with Obi now when he's coming back and he's healthy? So um, it's not those two. They have a ton of first-round picks, but let's break this down. Do you want a Knicks pick right now? Honestly, a future Knicks pick. Maybe you do. And I, I would, if you want a 2027 Knicks unprotected first, all right, I get it. Like they're so ambitious when it comes to making the playoffs or being in that discussion. There's a chance those picks, even if they're in the lottery, aren't great. And so you, they have Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle playing like a borderline all-star. They're, they, they have good players. They're incentivized to continue going after good players. I just feel like they'll be locked into mediocrity, if not better, moving forward. And so those picks aren't as valuable. They have all these other teams' first-round picks. That Dallas pick, top 10 protected this year, I don't. it's not going to be a lotto pick. Then you have all these conditional picks. from. Uh, they have Detroit, Washington. Like, There's a chance those two just like they don't even convey, and so they're not valuable. And just like that, we're at Quentin Grimes. And so 3-and-D prospect um, who can do a little bit more off the dribble. I don't know. We saw him do some initiation in summer league. I think he's shown that he can do a lot in sort of open space with the ball in his hands, but as a creator for others, I wouldn't buy into that. Two years left on his rookie scale, uh, rookie scale, energetic defender. It's him for me. Maybe, maybe if you want it to be spicy, you just go ahead and say Jalen Brunson because 26, 27-year-old playing like an all-star fits onto any team. And there's just value in, okay, if we think we're going to get the guy or we think we have one of them and a younger guy, but we're trading this star because we don't want to pay him or he wants out or we don't think he's a good fit. Like a, a Washington, let's just, let's just say a Washington. I'm not saying Jalen Brunson will be on the table for Bradley Beal. But even in Chicago, if Zach Levine's on the table, even Toronto, if Siakam's on the table or something, I could see teams targeting him. If I'm the Knicks, I'm not giving him up just because he simplifies everything for everyone. Doesn't mean he's better than some of the players that might be available. I just don't think he would be on the table. Plus the familial ties within the organization for him. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder. This was tough. It's not going to be Shea. It's not going to be Chet. He's injured. I don't think they would trade him. They're not going to. The Thunder aren't going to make a blockbuster trade anyway, but let's let's get in the, the Sam Presti mindset. I thought about J-Dub a little bit more than I was going to, and it was just kind of like, all right, is he going to end up having the on-ball juice to where teams actually want to build around him, or is this just going to be someone who's a gap filler at both ends of the floor, maybe an all-defense type player? And that's, that's really good. I'd still prefer Josh Giddy 
then he's been shooting over 40% on a good volume number of threes since the start of the December defense has ticked up this year. Good rebounder can make plays in the open floor, trusting his floater a little bit more this year. I like what I've seen him move off the ball from Shea. And so that proves that this isn't someone who needs to play and or serve one function two years left on his rookie scale, only 20. That's the player you ask for. If you're trading OKC a star and maybe that star is a guard, which is why like, right. Giddy has to be in there. That's what you go after. I don't think I'd want any of the Thunder. Oh, I mean, you'd want the Thunder's own picks. But like, are those the most valuable thing they could give up? Their picks already kind of looking at them are like, well, where's it going to be this year? They're not going to be in the Weben Yamas. So it's like, yeah, they might finish in the lottery and then get super lucky, end up in the top four. But like, they're not going to have top lottery odds. And you scale that forward to more development from Shea and, and J-Dub. They still have Lou Dort. And then Chet Holmgren's going to play. They have cap space. You're sending them a star in a blockbuster trade. You don't want their own picks. And so do you want... The Clippers or, or Rockets picks, maybe. I thought about Houston's 2024 pick because they should still be pretty bad. It's top four protected, so I don't really know how to feel about that. I just went with Giddy, and I think it's more of a compliment to just how good he's been this season. The Orlando Magic. This was tough, too. You're not going to trade Paolo. You're not going to trade Franz Wagner. Jalen Suggs is not a blockbuster trade asset right now. Do not sell your Jalen Suggs stock, but he is not a blockbuster trade asset. If you're the Magic, you're also... You're like kind of close to playoff proximity. And so if you're, I don't know what player becomes available again, but if you could trade your first round pick this year, I guess you think about it. I wouldn't do it. Like right now you're close enough to where, oh, we could have a bottom five record. Like I'm not punting on the chance to end up with Amon Thompson or Scoot Henderson or Victor. Like I'm just not doing it. So with their 2024 first round pick, they do have the Bulls pick this year. That might be semi-interesting. You put that on the table. And so you're saying to yourself, yeah, you hamstring some of the other moves you could do because you're trading it now rather than after the 2023 draft, but you attach that to just money. Uh, some of these other players you have in your roster, future picks, the bulls picks, you can get in some splashy discussions while then still having this year's first round pick. So that that's big time. I don't expect the magic to be like super aggressive buyers. I wouldn't rule it out though. Over the summer, adding another high end lottery prospect to a core with Paolo and Suggs and Franz Wagner already. It, it makes some of those other guys expendable and maybe including Suggs plus their future draft equity. Philly, Tyrese Maxey is the only answer. It's not a first-round pick. Uh, it's not going to be Joel Embiid or James Harden. I, Tobias Harris's salary, I get it. He has to be as part of any blockbuster deal. But any team that's making a deal is like, oh, you gave us basically Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. And, and look, Tyrese Maxey, I think he should be better on defense by now. But lightning quick speed going in a straight line has shown that he can play on or off the ball. Like he's And the three-point shooting is just real. Has he's extension eligible after this year? He's not someone you're afraid to pay, though. Like, this isn't in a, I was gonna say an Emmanuel quickly situation, but he's just like a little way lower end than Maxi at this point. So it's just like, that's not someone that you're going to be concerned about paying. It's like, it would be like if the Heat had never again given Hero an extension. That's yes, he's going to be expensive. We live up to it. Like, you're not going to be afraid to extend Tyler Hero and, and clearly the Heat weren't. So if the Sixers want to pull off a blockbuster trade, they offer Harris and Maxi and see what they could get. And look, I think you'd be surprised at who they could get. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns, what is their most valuable trade asset? The things that were on the table were a vast many. I thought about distance first round picks, just like because it's, you know, CP3 is always on the downswing, also already on the downswing. Um, but as we're talking about future first round picks, I'm like, well, what if they just traded this year's unprotected pick? They've kind of sucked lately. You know, injuries are, are just incredibly behind that. So, like, could they turn it around? And if you are getting them, let's say they're trading for Pascal Siakam. This is just, they're trading for Pascal Siakam. They're going to get better. And so that would diminish the value of this year's pick. 
But the fact that in 2023, if they dangled it unprotected, it's probably more valuable than it was. And that I even considered it. Season's going off the rails. The distant first round picks, I get it. But they do have Mikael Bridges, who is my ultimate selection. And I know people are going to say DeAndre Ayton. Uh, he's, I don't want to say I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm like in the moment and in my field. So I'm going to say he sucks. He doesn't suck. But he's been not great on defense this year. And just there's still that, you know, he's the Keith Van Horn of big men on offense, where it's just like he has like talent and skills to put all this shit together, but he doesn't do it enough consistently. He's underwhelming if you're going to put him on the ball. And then he just comes off as like really timid or soft if you need him to be more aggressive. And now you've maxed him out. The teams will be interested and they will run more stuff for him on offense. But like there's a chance that Phoenix just gave a slightly above average center a max contract. That's not a caps lock trade asset. I'm sorry. It's Mikhail Bridges. He's still, whatever he is, 26, scales to every single team. I think he's been overstretched with the amount of on-ball work the Suns need him to do, but he is now someone who gives you rim pressure, and shooting, of course, but rim pressure outside of transition. Like, you can work Mikhail Bridges for more of a standstill, and he will get going downhill. Whether that's going to work as a setup man for others in higher volume, or if you want to slow it down, have him run more pick and rolls, I have the beholder view there. But, like, he has more value than just as a specialist, and he's shown it. His defense has slipped too this year. I think he's just shouldering too much responsibility at both ends. He's also probably trying to keep his streak alive and is just super banged up at this point. So if you're going a blockbuster trade with the Phoenix Suns, you want to get Mikael Bridges, I think, more than anyone else, even though he's not a star. Look, his contract is probably below market at this point, under lock and key for another three years after this one. That's the pick. And if it's not going to be him, I think you go with probably a distant first even. One of their distant firsts over eight and still. That's how... Not out on Aiton. I just don't like he's not this blockbuster magnet to me. The Blazers. I wanted to pick Anthony Simons. My friend, colleague, editor, Brian Knox, Bryant Knox over at Bleacher Report said that it probably needs to be Shane Sharp because of just the mystery box potential here. And I, I think he's right. Just yeah, there's the there's the just you know moonshot hops that he has, and he's you know disproving and defying gravity. There's also just he's shown the ability to hit some really difficult jumpers. The physical tools he have might be someone who could really work on on defense. So three years left on his rookie scale, still a teenager. If you want to acquire a star in your Portland, also given the way that you're encumbered with your pick obligations, you go Shane Sharp plus money plus other stuff, and that gets you into some pretty, I would say, nuclear discussions. Like, I think there are teams that, I think even if Simons is on the table, that gets you into some nuclear discussions. But Shane Sharp is still in the could-be-anything camp. And I think every time he's sort of graduated there, Two fringe all-star knows we're not, he's not going to be good on defense, knows that his passing sort of has a ceiling on its creativity and complexity, but he's also a better ball mover than he was. It still might be him for me. I think he's really good, but it's if you're trying to make a blockbuster happen, it's Shaden Sharp. The Sacramento Kings, it's Key and Murray. They don't like it, can't really be anyone else. It's not going to be Fox or Sabonis because the whole idea would be okay, let's get this higher end player uh, for to play with the Aaron Fox and Sabonis. Barnes isn't going to be like, yeah, as a salary anchor, maybe, but it's not going to be Davion Mitchell, just too much of a question mark on offense, even though he was just splashing jumpers the other night. I can't remember. I was watching the game, whoever they were playing. Uh, it's Keegan Murray. Like he's just been great moving off the ball. He's sixth this year, sixth in the entire league in, in spot up three pointers made catch and shoot three pointers. And that's going to scale to every single team, a little bit older for a rookie, three cost control years for like this combo forward that just plugs and plays into any sort of offensive system. I don't know what you could get for him. He's not getting you a caps lock superstar on his own, but like if you were a dangle Keegan Murray plus money and your first, the first pick you could trade is not until 2028. So you could trade. I want to make that clear. You can trade a conditional first round pick before then the first 
first round pick Sacramento can guarantee is not till 2028. That's that's why I didn't pick it. Maybe there'd be teams that are more entranced by that, but that's why I didn't pick it. Let's just say Keegan Murray and like whoa, if you floated, you do you need both these players. I don't think it's something you do, but if you need Keegan Murray and if you traded Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, like who does that get you? Is that like OG Ananobi material? They talked about that on the low post the other day. I mean, maybe like would that get you into I'm trying to think of like, would that get you into like the Pascal Siakam discussion if you were willing to attach some other first there? And so I, I think the answer is Keegan Murray. Would they be willing to move him if the right opportunity presents itself? We'd have to see. But I think this is, if anything, take it as a compliment to how good Keegan Murray has been. Spurs were tough. Kel- Kelvin Johnson, poison pill, could be him if we remove the poison pill uh, parameters from here. I thought about Devin Vassell, just so many more on ball skills. I just don't think the Spurs would move him. And it's like, okay, well, a few years of his rookie scale are gone. And if you don't think he's going to be a primary creator, do you prioritize him? We know the Spurs aren't going to trade their own first-round pick. So those are just off the table. Is it Chicago's 2025 pick? Nah, it's top 10 protected. Jeremy Soan, I thought about. And as me, specifically, I might have made it him. But just he's so raw offensively. You can see the floor navigation on and off the ball with him. But just a free-throw shooting, what's his jumper going to become? can even pull up off the dribble ever. And how much are you going to trust his facilitation when you don't actively suck and you're looking for silver linings, uh, like as hard as you can. It's Atlanta's 2025 first round pick. That team is a dumpster fire behind the scene. This is unprotected. This pick conveys after a DeJounte Murray's current contract. So is he gone? Has Trey Young made a trade demand? Uh, It's Atlanta's 2025 pick. It could technically be the Spurs' own, but I think that, um, I think that what you're going to do is you're going to prioritize that that Atlanta pick. That would be the smartest way to go. Rolling into the final stretch here. We have the Raptors who are the hardest team for me. It's going to be OG. You could go with their future picks. It's not. It's not going to be Fred Van Fleet. Maybe, I mean, I guess they made everybody else off limits, but I don't know who needs to be off limits. Siakam's just a little bit too old. And so if you're ma- if the Raptors are making a blockbuster trade, it's because they want to win with Siakam still. So he's off the table. It's Barnes or Ananobi. And it comes down to whether is Scotty Barnes untouchable. We know that he was untouchable in Kevin Durant discussions. How serious were those discussions? The Raptors weren't on KD's public list of preferred trade destinations. Uh, so like that could have impacted whether they had Scotty on the table. I also think that all of us, I mean, and I'll speak only for myself, but many of us then let's say overthought the entire situation with Kevin Durant over the summer. You trade Scotty Barnes. if It means getting Kevin Durant. I'm, like that should have just been the stance. And that's going to be my stance. I take here. If you're going to acquire a top even 15 to 20 player, I would trade Scotty Barnes. He's been better of late. They have him sort of running as a point center, making plays out of the short role. Screening has been better. Looks like really more engaged on defense, but he hasn't really moved the needle on defense or improved there this season. And he could be such like a, a niche fit on offense that would teams be scared of sort of trying to make him their, their pole uh, prospect moving forward. The, the basis around everything they're, they're building maybe, but I think from the Raptors' perspective, you put him on the table more so if you're going after those talks. If it's not him, it's OG Ananobi, just end of story. But I think also, do both have to be involved if you're acquiring a star? Depends on the player. The other thing you could say, though, is like if it's Scotty Barnes' picks and salary and you get to keep OG Ananobi with Siakam and Van Fleet while acquiring a star, you're going to have the the more attractive championship window right now. The Utah Jazz, whoo, this is hard. Larry Markinen, I think, would be a lot of people's picks because they don't view him as a star. Dude's about to make an all-star team. He's going to be in the conversation as a starter now, given all the other injuries that have happened in the West front court. So it's like, if you're making a blockbuster trade, you're doing it to pair Larry Markkinen with that star. So I moved him off the table. Now we get into the picks. It's not one of the Cleveland picks. Like, yes, you've shorted their long-term future, but they're young and good. So even if things go wrong, 
and Donovan Mitchell leaves or eventually requests a trade, like, or Evan Mobley isn't as good as we expected. They just, they have so much like reinforcement because they have like a big four essentially right now. It's not one of their picks. So is it a jazz pick? Maybe, but like, they're still too good at the moment. They've dropped below 500. I think they will be sellers at the deadline and probably should be, we're being honest, or maybe they'll just be opportunistic buyers. But like their pick is not going to be as valuable as Minnesota's pick this year. Maybe, possibly. But let's look forward because maybe Minnesota figures it out. Or if you're a team that's trading a star or a big name to the Utah Jazz, you want to think bigger and kind of roll the dice, I would imagine. Just because Minnesota is, they're bad, but they're not bad enough. And if Towns come, when Towns comes back, they should be better. Let's move forward. And I'm looking at, is it the 2027 pick? It's not 2029. That's top five protected. I went with 2025 just because... Rudy Gobert, well into his 30s. What does this team look like? If the Timberwolves miss the playoffs this year, we're going to start to hear about Carl Anthony Towns trades. It's just a matter of fact. Could Andy Edwards even become disenchanted by that point, by 2025? There's just so much variability, combustibility in Minnesota that 2025, it's close enough. We're talking three drafts away to where it's like, all right, I can see it. And the Jazz have other stuff to give us. And then it's also like it's far enough away this shit could go wrong. This shit could go sideways. It's already gone sideways, and we're going to try and capitalize on that. Final team, the Washington Wizards. They just have no options here. You're not, Beal is not your blockbuster trade asset. If you're making a blockbuster trade, it's because you're trying to win within his window. Your own first-round picks, if I'm a team, yeah, I want them. When can I get them? Uh, their pick protection to the Knicks, it's for eternity this year. It can leak out all the way until 2026. Could you trade a conditional first-round pick? Yes. If you're another team, how much do you value the idea of the Wizards reaching the playoffs this season, next season, so that you can get a pick in 26? Like, I don't know. Their first guaranteed first-round pick that they could trade at this moment would be 2028. That's just too far. If you want to wait that long, yeah, okay, Bradley Beal is going to be ancient, might be traded by then. Uh, I didn't go with it. You could go with Denny Avdia. That's my, that's my guy. It's not, Rui's entering restricted free agency even better this year. Looks a little bit more fluid on offense, like a player who's sort of coming into his own. Just you have to pay him, and he's not a he's not centerpiece material. Denny Abdi is not high volume enough for me on offense, even though he's really shown some moxie uh, off his dribble penetration this year as both a passer and an efficient scorer. But again, is he high volume enough to score in those situations? And so is it Daniel Gafford? It's not Kristaps Porzingis. You're still going to be worried about his lower body injuries, his next contract. So it's like, who is it? Is it Corey Kispert? No, it's not Corey Kispert. It's you know, they don't even like, does, does Washington know that Johnny Davis exists? He's injured right now. He'd barely seen the floor beforehand. No, it's Kyle Kuzma. He's an expiring contract player option next season, but, but he's really good. And he fits onto so many different teams. And so maybe this is a situation where, yeah, okay. Can you step ladder Kyle Kuzma plus literally every other attractive thing that we have? Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert. We're going to give you that 2028 first round pick. What kind of discussion does that get you into? Is it a sleeper package for like an OG Ananobi? If he becomes available, I, I'm just throwing shit out there. So it's, it's Kyle Kuzma to me, just because he's really good. He's affordable getting his bird rights matters because he's not super ancient. He's 27. So his next deal is going to take him through his prime. If you can keep him, you have to know that you're going to keep him though. So let me know if you disagree with any of these picks, please remember to subscribe to us, YouTube and podcast players. That does the most for us ratings and reviews on iTunes, help out a ton or Apple, whatever it's called now. And finally, join our Discord. The link to that's in the podcast description. Follow us on the socials. And Discord, though, let's bump that. Like, the, we're kind of just stalled. We have a couple hundred people in there. The conversations are great. I love every single one of you that are in there. Talk to us. Get priority mailbag access. Love seeing the conversation happening without me. Until next time, and as always, you can shout out the one, the only, the indelible, the person who started on Sunday night against the Portland Trailblazers, Frank.
Miller.